0: You're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space where people to practice the ways of Jesus together. This week is going to be interesting because we're going to see what Jesus has to say about Sabbath. Last week would be what I guess we could call Sabbath part one. So check that out if you need to. But really, we laid the, the foundation for what we're going to do today. And Sabbath is a a life committed to rest, which is a really interesting way to say it, right? At the outset of creation, as Aaron read, even when we began today, right? God, seventh day, he said we rest. He created humans and he said, those humans are very good. And what's the first thing those humans did? They rested with God. And from that rest, they began to work on a day that God deemed was holy. So continuing on for our purposes today, allow me to say this. The exhausted state of the current population is in no uncertain terms a crisis. If you look all around you, people are exhausted. And for many reasons, people are exhausted. It could be self-imposed, it could be system-imposed, it could be communally imposed, but exhausted just the same. People are burnt out, depleted, worn out. You're like, all right, we get it. We're just glad we showed up, right? What's the root cause of this exhaustion? What's at the core of this? And I, I'm going to contend, which you're probably already like, I think where you're, I can see where you're going at this, right? That the root cause of the unhealth and the burnout among us is at the very least connected to the demise of sabbath observance and just a a dearth or a missing of holistic restful practices altogether we don't know how to rest anymore and i don't think this is solely even an individual problem i'm not even saying you whatever individual don't know how to rest i'm saying we as a community don't know how either Right from the outset, again, of God's creation, we have to remember his vision is for all of his creation to live in harmony with one another. But as we know, it didn't take long for that shalom vision that God had to be severed. And so while determining a sign of unhealth might be important, if the work doesn't have some sort of healing pathway in which we can implement, how are we ever going to get out of this? are we ever going to move forward? So I believe the practice of Sabbath and then just lifestyles oriented around the rhythms of rest that Jesus models for us are actually going to be retained and reformed in the context of community. We need one another to learn to rest well and to practice it together. So with all of that in mind, I'm gonna read from Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. If you're familiar with the words of Jesus, these will ring familiar to you. And then I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna hop into part two of learning a life of Sabbath rest. Matthew 11, verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, again, we pray that you would meet us in this moment, that we would encounter you, Jesus, that these words would be spoken into our very souls and we would receive them. Remove whatever it might be in our life that, that might block out what it is you want to teach us today. But teach us. Make us more like you, Jesus. Would you give me your words to speak as well, God? I don't want to say anything that's not for you or from you. And if I should, would we just forget it quickly, God? We long to be drawn into the depths of communion with you and live our lives from that place. May that be so. May we know your love today. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So those are some good words from Jesus, aren't they? You're probably like, when you hear him again, you're like, yeah, those words. This rest that Jesus has in mind is the type of rest that enables the worker to go back to the task with renewed vigor, right? So you have some task that God has for you and this rest that Jesus is talking about is to enable you to go back to that task the way he intended you to encounter it from the beginning. So first though, I'm going to do the whole thing, circle back again. we got to return to God's handiwork and the creation narrative. We've got to remind ourselves this. The concept of Sabbath originated in that creation narrative. It wasn't called Sabbath. It was called rest, a day that God deemed holy. But that's where it originated. And so this is why then when God's giving God's people the Ten Commandments, he says to remember the Sabbath. They already knew about it. Remember it. By keeping it holy. The Sabbath means to cease from working. And all of this then is offering us the reminder again, in the invitation as well, to rest first and then work. It seems so backwards, doesn't it? But at the outset of creation, we rested before we ever did anything at all. So what does this mean then? for our everyday lives, because every time we participate in that rhythm, we are participating with God in what he's already deemed holy. So to observe the Sabbath is to receive this gift that God's given us from creation to reorient ourselves toward communion with him. And once that happens, right, it's from this vantage point reoriented towards communion with God, that we view our work that follows rest not as some regrettable necessity, like, oh, I got to do work again. But instead, it's an outflow of our rootedness in the rest-filled presence of God. No matter what kind of work you do, that can be true. That's why Jesus desires for you to have a renewed vigor in that work. God himself worked, right? So we know that work is good in and of itself. Whatever that might mean for you, which is a little bit of what we tackled last week. It's like, what constitutes work? It's a challenging question for us anyway, right? But from that place, from the place of rest, we flow into our work. So, it seems that that balance is completely undone by the nonstop world that we're living in. You know this world. You live this world. And it seems to me that Jesus in this passage in Matthew is speaking to this very conundrum when he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus desires to restore the balance. And the Jesus who said this describes himself this way. This is why I think we can trust Jesus. He says, I am humble and gentle at heart. Before we unwrap the gift that Jesus is offering here, I think it's of the utmost importance to remember who Jesus is. Remember who's saying this to us. It's not me. It's Jesus who's saying this. And Jesus affirms that he is humble and gentle at heart. And I want, can you just pause? Like close your eyes even, type of pause. And envision Jesus before you. Envision Jesus before you. He's looking at you. And hear him say, I am humble and gentle at heart. This is the Jesus you are encountering today. That's the Jesus who wants to take us on this journey. This humble and gentle posture of Jesus is noteworthy, right? Because he's reminding us of his own willingness to take a lowly place, to empty himself for the sake of humanity, that this is who Jesus is to his core. And you don't need me to tell you this, right? Because so often it's leaders and teachers that we see who tend to take a superior place, not a lowly place. And Jesus is like, I've got no use for the superior gimmicks. I am humble and gentle, and I'm here for you. And since he's humble and gentle at heart, Matthew seems like that that's an important phrase, right? It means this. It means that it locates the qualities that Jesus is offering us here, At the center of his being, like this is who Jesus is to his core. He's the one who's inviting you into this space. Scholar Leon Morris says it like this He says, It was not that Jesus pretended to be humble and made a show of being lowly. He really was lowly, and that was at the very center of all that he was. Because of what he is in his innermost being meek and holy, humble and gentle. Those who come to him find rest. You see that distinction? It's because of who Jesus is that when you take him up on his invitation to come to him, you do indeed find rest. Not more things to do, more things to check off the list, to try harder to become them. You find Jesus himself humble and gentle with you. And that's the place you begin to live from, not hurrying around at all the other things. On the flip side of all of this, this restorative rest is not some cover-up for the necessity of hard work. It's not an invitation to do nothing at all, right? In fact, to be a follower of Jesus, if you watch Jesus for one second in the Gospels, is to enter a way of life that necessarily involves hard work, but with a renewed motive, it flows out of something else. I don't think any of us would go, yeah, that Jesus, not a very hard worker, right? That's not not what we would say from him. But we would say something about the way in which he does the work that draws us to him. And it's because of how it flows out of what's at the center of who he is. The calling has always been, this is what God was saying at creation, that God's, the calling's always been to join God's work in the world. That's the invitation, always. And for the calling to be fulfilled, Jesus says, in order for you to do that, there is rest for your souls. Kingdom work flows from kingdom rest, both oriented around the kingdom of God. Dr. Morris concludes like this. He says, this is to say, those who bear Christ's yoke know rest at the center of their being, Right? Those who are connected to Christ is what he's saying. They don't worry and fuss about what they are doing, for their commitment to their Savior it means that they recognize his sovereignty over all and the fact that he will never call them to something that is beyond their strength. Paradoxically, those who take Christ's yoke on them have rest. To join up with Christ is to have rest. Rest now and rest in the age to come. So listen to the words of Jesus again. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you Is light. I love that Jesus adds a sentence that shows us that the service to which we are called is not some difficult and burdensome affair. His yoke, right, which you can just envision riding tandem with Him, right, connected to Jesus, side by side, moving together. The only way you're going to do the work that God has intended for you to do is if you do it in tandem with Jesus, yoked together. He says it's easy. Another way that we might translate easy is good and pleasant. And how many of you here, any of the work that you might do in your life, not just vocationally, right, for a paycheck, but any of the work you do, would love for it to be identified as good and pleasant? Yeah, we want some more good and pleasant work. And I think we can get a glimpse of that, this side of Jesus returning, because this is an image of union with Jesus. Here's what he's not doing, right? Jesus is not calling any of us to a burdensome and worrying existence. Jesus is not calling any of us to a worrisome and burdensome existence. That's not what he has in store. And if you didn't catch that it was easy to bear, that it was good and pleasant, Jesus says it another way. He says, the burden I give you is light. You are not burdenless. The burden he gives you is light because you're carrying it together, yoked to Jesus. And also, Jesus is not calling any of us to live lives of careless ease, That's also not the invitation. Because again, if we model our lives after Jesus, we don't see Jesus doing that ever. Rather to a life of service for which we will be glad. We will do service gladly because Jesus is doing it with us. To follow Jesus, to practice the ways of Jesus together, it's intended to be a delight and not a painful burden. And this is because we follow the one who is teaching us to be like him, humble and gentle at heart. Yeah, to follow Jesus will cost you everything you thought to find you. But to continue hanging on to those things will actually become a burden. Jesus wants us to be free, which is why he issues the invitation, come to me, And I'll show you again how to live. I won't slap you around. I won't shake my fist. I won't cross my arms. I will meet you again because what is Jesus? He is humble and gentle at heart. It's interesting. Right after these three verses in Matthew 11, it ends the chapter in Matthew 11. In Matthew 12, Matthew positions a discourse between Jesus and the Pharisees on Sabbath. The Pharisees, again, are not happy with the things Jesus chooses to do on the Sabbath. They're never really happy with Jesus, I guess, in that case, right? And simply put, we can't overlook, though, the fact that Matthew places this section immediately after Jesus' word about his yoke being easy and his burden light. Because what we see is the Pharisees and Jesus have a differing attitude about what Jesus' invitation meant. Jesus reveals what is at the heart of the Sabbath, for it's at the heart of himself. Jesus doesn't say how to observe the Sabbath. He doesn't offer us a list of regulations. In fact, all of Scripture has minimal regulations to offer us on how to Sabbath. But Jesus rather implies it's a gift of resting in him to be as he is. Every time you rest in him is to be as he is, humble and gentle at heart. And thus everything you do flows from that. This is what God's created us to be. This is why at the outset of creation, God says, You are very good. Now rest, now go and do the work I have for you. Will we follow this Jesus? So, this controversy that unfolds with the Pharisees, it didn't actually arise because Jesus was anti regulations, it didn't arise because Jesus actually even thought the Pharisees were too rigorous. Rather, Jesus held that they had the wrong idea of the Sabbath altogether. It was a day for honoring God, which meant what? Doing good. Thus, works of healing were not simply allowed. They were obligatory. It was a day of refreshing people and meeting their need, your need and the needs of others. That wasn't supposed to go away on the Sabbath. The Sabbath in the spirit of Jesus means this, an invitation to receive the healing you need and to participate in extending healing to others. It might not just happen solely on that day, but it invites you into that rhythm going forward. The Sabbath is to be a gift of refreshment in which we are restored to meet the needs before us. What a beautiful rhythm. But like capital B, capital U, capital T. This means we need to get specific because it sounds pretty great. At least I think it does. Jesus thought it did too. But in the context of our current westernized culture, the culture which is my perspective and experience that I was born in and probably is true for many of you, the concept of practicing a Sabbath is all but non-existent. In fact, I'd even argue that there's this lack of understanding or value in the Sabbath that runs through the very DNA of our country. We never thought that was a good idea. So, if we don't acknowledge the place in which we're trying to practice Sabbath, we'll never be able to do it, right? If we don't acknowledge the pervasiveness of white supremacy from the foundation of the United States, and its systemic presence still today, will actually be unable to craft Sabbath rest that sets everyone free to receive loving union with God. You see, not everyone actually has access to choose to embark on loving union with God in a day of rest. The way in which our present society is situated today does not allow for every person to reap the gifts of the Sabbath. And maybe even more pointedly, the current cultural moment might even force us to identify the practice of Sabbath as a privilege. So, just make it bad. But to formulate a theology of Sabbath along with the goal of implementing the practice, we must, we must acknowledge the challenge of planting such a practice in soil saturated by white supremacy, poverty, individualism, militarism, and consumerism, among a bunch of other isms as well. We're trying to rest in a place that will give us no rest. And so if the Sabbath is an image, that God had from the beginning, let alone a practice that we participate in of liberation and healing, then we need to participate in dismantling the oppressive strategies, halting that liberation and healing. You see, Sabbath rest and restorative justice surprisingly go hand in hand together. Importantly, the Sabbath actually right, that we remember, that God says you must remember, was reintroduced and distinctly named Sabbath to a formerly enslaved group of people. People who had lived without rest for over 400 years were reintroduced to the practice of Sabbath. The Sabbath was imperative to God's previously oppressed people as they relearned how to live freely in communion with God. Sabbath is liberating for all people. That's why God taught it to the Israelites. And so the overlap of the plight of those previously enslaved Israelites and the history of racism in the United States, both Signal a desperate need for the restorative work of God. To mention nothing of the plight of the poor and the other marginalized groups among us who also are not free. So it's glaring how the implementation to practice Sabbath is met with resistance everywhere we go not only in our like perpetual motion, go, go, go society, but coursing through the historical veins of the United States and its guise as a Christian nation. We've been taught to believe that the place we live has always had our rest in mind, but in fact, it hasn't. Whether you are fighting to keep people from rest, or you are fighting for rest, you're all fighting, and you're never resting. So over the last two weeks, what I've tried to do is cast a vision for a small step towards God's intended shalom of all creation and invite all of us to craft a pathway of ceasing that might lead us to participate in God's plan to restore us to ourselves and one another via loving communion with God. The way up is the way down, you could say. The way backwards is the way forward. And so as we, as a collective community, set out to discern the voice of God who desires rest for the whole of creation, I want us to take note of the energy found in Isaiah 58. So if you would, band, you guys can all come on up. Would you just find a posture of prayer? We're going to let God's word In Isaiah 58, have the last word, if you will. And I think you're going to be surprised what we find. We take a deep breath. Realign your heart and your attention on the presence of God. maybe envision again Jesus before you, looking at you now and reminding you that you can come to him and find rest for your soul for he is humble and gentle at heart. The prophet Isaiah announced words from God that sharply rebuked those who carried out business as usual and acted unjustly while pretending to observe the Sabbath. Here's how it reads. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why, the Lord responded. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. These first three verses, the people here are condemned for their fake piety that neglects justice. In contrast to their hypocritical fasting, God desires something else. God says this. He says, no, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who were wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from your relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. This righteous way of living is then connected directly to Sabbath. Maybe to put it another way, the way they live the Sabbath determines whether or not they are living out God's justice. Here's how God finishes. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob I the Lord have spoken it was the last time we heard a connection between freeing the oppressed and feeding the hungry and housing the homeless and closing the naked with weekly Sabbath observance Isaiah saw the connection. And as we ponder these words from Isaiah, the prophet whom Jesus quoted to announce his own liberating good news, may we come to see the connection more clearly ourselves. While Sabbath is still a beautiful gift, we can never enter the fullest Sabbath rest until all our brothers and sisters around the world are able to rest as well. Until then, our rest is provisional. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we need you. Jesus, teach us about this rest. We come to you, many of us, weary heavy burdened, worn down. We need rest for our souls, Jesus. And as you fill us fresh, as your spirit comes upon us anew, send us forth overflowing with your love and your power to join you in the work you're already doing to cultivate a place in which all of creation is at rest with one another. And in loving communion with you, may we partner with you. May kingdom rest flow through us so that kingdom work flows out of us. To you be the glory, God. And may we not, in our pursuit of rest, our pursuit of Sabbath, and our pursuit of you, Jesus, lose sight of the countless who populate the earth, who have no rest still. We need you, Jesus, to usher us back in to the harmony name we pray. Amen. For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at kaleoPHX.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.